Hello, friends. Hi, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Hope you're all having a lovely dandy week as we plow through yet another week once again in May. Um, it is I, Andrew DeVito, the mistress of pop culture, bringing you all things pop culture on this lovely, 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 very chilly day here in LA. Um, this is certainly going by so slow I can't even handle it. But what does, what did make uh, yesterday, Tuesday, just miraculous, special, and just out of this world fabulous is that... Um, the Dear Evan Hansen trailer for the feature film based on the fabulous music was released. And it, it, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, it's going to give you all the feels, as it did for me in 2018 when I discovered it. Listened to the soundtrack on repeat and saw it on tour here in LA, downtown LA, which was just simply fabulous. It wasn't the original Broadway cast. I like to go see the OBC when I can, but I wasn't able to because I live in LA and obviously the shows are in New York. And I love New York, but I don't like to get out there that often because I just, I'm, I'm an LA boy. I'm not a city boy, which is ironic because when I graduated from college, I had every intention of moving to New York City. I once got an internship there. I lived there for a summer between my junior and senior year of college. But then I came to realize, mm-mm, I need to have a car, I need to have palm trees, I need to have sun, and I need to have the beach. And quite honestly, the people in LA are more fabulous, honey, but that's just my personal humble opinion. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I was actually going to start this episode off with uh, basically playing the trailer for you, but I didn't know the legalities of it. I didn't know if that would be like copyright or not because there was music in it, which is totally fine. So I'm just going to tell you here and right now, go on to YouTube, hop on YouTube and Watch it is fabulous. Um, it of course is starring Ben Platt, who played the iconic title role on Broadway. Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, um, Caitlin Denver, I believe is the young lady's name, who was also in that fabulous movie with Jonah Hill's sister, the high school one directed by Olivia Wilde, the one Lisa Kudrow was into about two besties. Billy Lord was also one. I forget the name of it, but it's fabulous. All star cast, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Although there's a little bit of controversy with the trailer, not because of any subject matter or whatnot, um, but if you know the plot of the movie, of course it's going to be you know, but. Uh, uh, is that Evan? Uh, Evan is that um, uh, Ben Platt's wig? It's very, very interesting because when he was in the show, he 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 plays a high schooler, but he's twenty seven in real life. And I mean, I personally think he looks very young. He's very youthful looking. But there's a lot of memes and a lot of tweets what uh, on the internet right now vocalizing the fact that he it, it basically the meme that is the most prominent one is um, of uh, um, the, from the movie Elf with uh will ferrell and he's like when that scene where he's sitting with all the elves and he's like the big kid at the desk and all you know the elves what you know what i'm saying give it up you get where i'm going with that one and he has a very interesting wig but hey you know what that's fine me because the kid is a supreme talent and i can't wait to hear my two favorite songs from the show personally speaking are waving through a window and then of course he will be found and i obviously can't wait to see those plays on that played on the big silver screen um and it's fabulous and uh speaking of amy adams of course enchanted 2 is in production and i talked about this yesterday one of my all-time favorite films and the fact that amy adams is going to be in that and Dear Evan Hansen, it's too much to handle. I might just, like, pop up now and literally scream and cry. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much my my uh, musical chat for the day. But I have um, six fabulous stories for you guys today. Some good stuff to talk about. Lots of juicy drama. It's hump day. It's Wednesday. And I am pretty damn tired. I'm trying to wean myself off of caffeine, too, which is really, really hard because I, don't, I just don't operate at the same speed. I mean, I'm, I mean, you're probably just like, wow, you have so much energy right now, which is really true. I, I do wake up really energized and hype. But when I have caffeine, it's like an added... Uh, you know, amount of energy and it gets me through the entire day when I don't have caffeine, I get I nap. I have to nap. That's how I know I'm getting old. I mean, I'm 31 years young, of course, and I look at you. Um, but caffeine really, really helps. And I'm just trying to wean myself off it because I don't want to have to rely on a substance to like have energy, even though I'm coming in retrospect. It's like, uh, I don't think I care because I think I really need it. And it tastes just so good. Shout out to Blue Bottle Cafe in LA, which is my favorite coffee, iced coffee, iced, uh, iced latte with almond milk and two brown sugars, which is simply fabulous. And they have a fabulous um, assortment of uh, 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 baked goods too. The uh, brownie blondies are really good. The brown sugar brownie blondies, as well as their lemon scone. Oh, chef's kiss. Delicious, divine. 
Um, so, I mean, there's one in Beverly and West Hollywood, and then there's also one in Studio City. They're, they're everywhere. Just Google it. Um, but aside from that, that's pretty much all I have in terms of life updates. Got a car wash. Uh, did some cleaning of my apartment. And I'm pretty damn tired. So let's just get into our six stories because there's a lot to talk about. And our first story is super, super long, but it's literally a really, really good juicy story. Something that I... Um, I've thought a lot about, sorry, there's a dog barking in the background, so not mine, but there's another one. Um, uh, a show that I've thought a lot about since, this went off, since it went off the air, and uh, the, the, the lead character, our, our star, Marissa Cooper, is uh, opening up about it, and that is, of course, Misha Barton is finally ready to tell the real truth behind her exit from the OC. Okay, the OC was a staple in my, in my high school years. I, um, I loved it so much. I will specifically remember... Sitting in my art class, Ms. Berkowitz's art class at Cohasset High School, where I went to high school in Massachusetts, sitting in art class, talking with this group of girls about the show who are literally obsessed with Marissa and Ryan, listening to Kelly Clarkson on the radio, uh, her breakaway stuff, and since you've been gone and all that. It's like, I can, I can literally put myself back on my high school, like, feet, my high school shoes, and just remember, like, the OC being literally the biggest show ever, and then, of course, Laguna Beach. Um, and the OC was also, you know, pretty instrumental in me making that big life decision to move out to LA. And of course, there's many other people from my hometown who have moved to LA, which is like so annoying because like, why are they here? It's like, I was first. Um, no, but it's fine because they're like doing other things. They're like being fake influencers, but that's just me, no shade or anything. Uh, that was really shady, but you know what? I'm very honest and open, which is, I, that's the East Coast in me. But anyways, that's how I that to say, uh, Misha Barton's opening up about her, uh, infamous exit from the show and let's, let's chat. Uh, this is from E! News, by the way. Okay. Um, maybe some people just get lost. From the moment viewers met Marissa Cooper when the OC premiered in 2003, it was obvious that she was far from your average spoiled rich girl. Played by then-17-year-old Misha Barton, Marissa was a tragic figure, one that never really seemed like she belonged, even though she was beautiful, wealthy, and privileged. Over the course of three seasons, she experienced an overdose, an overdose, her parents' divorce, being held hostage, never forget Oliver, and shooting her boyfriend's brother, just to name a few. Looking back, it really shouldn't have been all that surprising that Marissa met a fiery end in the season three finale, considering how much living she packed into those three years. For weeks leading up to the episode, Fox had teased a major death was coming, but for it to be Marissa, the show's female lead? No way! Um, that's at least how the writer of this article felt. Um, so basically, this article's an interview, so let me see here. I'm gonna get to the interview part. Um, so the, the writer of this article writes, So, on a whim, I, as in the writer of this article, reached out to Barton, not really knowing what she would want to talk about her time on the OC, and I was admittedly surprised when she not only agreed, but opened up in such an honest and vulnerable way while on a lunch break. Quote, I've always felt ashamed in a way to talk about what really went on behind the scenes because I've always been a very private person and very aware of people's feelings, Barton told E! News. Um, in that May 14th phone interview, now that we're experienced, now that, excuse me, now that we are living in this era where we do speak about our experiences and women do complain about what was going on behind the scenes and how they were treated, it's a slightly different thing. E! News reached out to Warner Brothers TV, but they declined to comment. Fox did not respond to our request. While she was looking, while she was, excuse me, working on a few projects, as she put it, quote, really talk about it while she experienced during her three years on the show, Barton answered all of the questions, and here we go. So this first article, by the way, if you don't like the OCA, I totally understand you don't have to listen to this. Um... I'll put a little timestamp in the bio. Well, actually, I'm not probably good. Just listen to it, okay? It's fine. Um, it's very fascinating stuff. So the first question that E! News asked, there have been so many rumors about why Marissa was killed off. So I wanted to hear directly from you. When did those conversations about you leaving the OC start? Misha's first answer. It's a bit complicated. It started pretty early on because it had a lot to do with them adding Rachel Bilson in last minute after the first season as a series regular and evening out everybody's pay and sort of general bullying from some of the men on set that kind of felt really shitty. But, you know, I also love the show and how to build up my own walls and ways of getting around and dealing with that and the fame 
that was thrust specifically at me, just dealing with like the amount of invasion I was having in my personal life. I just felt very unprotected, I guess. That was the best way to put it. <gasps> Ooh, throwing a little subtle shade at uh, Rachel Bilson, who I literally love and adore. Um, I was working, continuing the, the continuation of this answer. I was working so hard, the longest hours probably of all the characters. It wasn't an easy character for me to play because it wasn't me, which is why I think people liked it or thought Marissa was funny and latched onto her. They felt like this is entertaining because she's all over the place and who is this girl? It's like because this New York girl was trying to play this ditzy rich, this ditzy LA rich kid, you know? Very interesting. Second question. There was a tragic quality to her. A darkness, almost. I think that's why people connected to the character. And then Misha's answer. Well, I think they started to write more serious stuff for me because I wasn't good at the, like, oh my god, let's go shopping or get her nails done kind of stuff. So, they added her first kiss with another girl and her getting drunk at her dad's party or the scene where somebody gets shot. They needed stuff that played more into my serious side. I'll be very honest. Everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses. And coming from a theater and indie background, my weakness was being ditzy. It wasn't for me. But what I could enjoy was the fashions, the ridiculousness of all of it, and making it larger than life and then the the next question the answer the um uh interviewer asked so when did things start to fall apart misha so halfway through the season so halfway through season two i would say when we started doubling up on episodes and shooting became so much harder and again a lot of a lot of that was too much for me i didn't know where the character was going i look back on it pretty pretty fondly but there's stuff i think people did wrong in the way they handled it so i just didn't feel i could keep going wow this has been said before, but they kind of gave me an option. The producers were like, quote, well, do you want your job and to sail off into the sunset? Potentially you can come back in the future in some bizarre TV scenario, or we can kill your character off and you can go on with your career that you want. What do you want to do? I was like, I was getting offers from big films at the time and having to turn them down. I had always been supporting in the sixth sense in any of those things. My dream was to be offered those lead roles. So that's what happened. I just felt like it was the best thing for me and my health. And just in terms of not really feeling protected by my cast and crew at that point. Oh my God. I, I'm going to just pause really quick and say, I know Misha Barton and Melinda Clark. Uh, I'm sorry. I know Rachel Bilson, who played Summer Roberts, obviously uh, Marissa Cooper's best friend, and Melinda Clark, who played Julie Cooper Nickel, Marissa's mom on the OC, have a podcast. I wonder if in any way they're going to interview Misha or if this is going to be brought up in their podcast. I haven't listened to or watched any of the episodes yet, but I'm really curious to know about that because this is, um, I'm sure this is why the author of this article decided to reach out because obviously this podcast is getting a lot of press and whatnot. At least I, I, it's coming across my desk and whatnot, but it's very, very, um, shocking okay the next question and you had 27 episodes for the first season which is almost unheard of and then seasons two and three were still 22 episodes each and misha's response and i'm not complaining about any of that nobody loves their job more than me for me acting is a passion and something i genuinely love and it was something that i super enjoy but also i can always see things for what they are and in the business i was raised with a pretty clear vision as to the workings of the industry and the trappings of it and my parents always made that very clear to me. Honestly, 15 years on, I do think it's sad that there wasn't a better way that it could have been handled. But I also do really love that she had this epic death and that it ended like that because it's memorable and not just another flash in the pan. People still come up to me to this day and they're like, I remember where I was when your character died and they're still emotional about it like that, like it was really me. I think that's so cool and that people actually took something away from it. There were lessons to be learned from Marissa for better or for worse. Um, and then the next question is, were you aware of just how big of a deal Marissa's death was? Misha, not really. They made me feel like the show is, the show was going to go on with or without me. Um, so I was just like, okay, cool. Let's just go out with a bang. I remember thinking it would be really fun when we were doing the scene after the car crash and, you know, taking the blood from the makeup artist and I was just like, squeeze it all over me. I wanted to be as gory and as bloody as possible. I in no way wanted to glorify this accident or the, or the ending of this, so I was just like, go out with a bang. Um, the next question, how did you feel about her death when you read the script? Were you surprised? Okay, actually, let me see if there's any other 
um, pretty prominent questions here that are worthwhile. Oh, uh, well, did the producers ever approach you about returning for the series finale or even for a flashback? Um, they they did do an episode where Ryan saw the back of Marissa's head, but obviously it wasn't you. Nope, nope, they didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, the article's on E! News. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts about this. First of all, Misha Barton is an icon, and I love her so much, and she's like... She is one of those... Um, I mean, her character, Marissa Cooper, but Misha herself is one of those people that is so, was so instrumental in, like, my love of um, that genre of, of, of television and whatnot. And I totally understand, though, why she has sort of um, mixed feelings about her time on the show, because, yeah, I mean, 20, 27 episodes for our first... I mean, shows nowadays, like, Netflix shows are 10 to 13 episodes, and that's, like, nothing. And I understand that because streaming services probably operate differently on different dollars and whatnot. But back then, when um, network TV was, like, so prominent, and literally there were so many eyeballs on it because there wasn't any streaming services back then... It was obviously a different formula. Like, Gossip Girl was the same thing. The seasons are, like, 19 to, like, 23 episodes a season, which, I mean, as a viewer, I love because, like, I couldn't get enough of those type of shows. Gossip Girl and the OC were, um, were, were created by Josh Schwartz and 70 Savage. Um, fun fact. And, obviously, their uh, Gossip Girl 2.0, the one that's coming on HBO Max, is created by them as well. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, I mean, it, just pro- it, it runs you into the ground. I mean, it's so interesting because, like, and I know I always talk about her all the time. She's one of my favorite actresses, but Leighton Meester, or, like, any of the cast of Gossip Girl, when they look back on the time of the show, they sort of say the same thing. Like, it was like, yeah, I mean, I think Leighton Meester even said it was sort of, like, a not this, the healthiest environment because of, you know, the the how, what a mass phenomenon that show was, much like the OC, where it was, like, there was so much pressure and, like, so many eyeballs were on them, and it's, like, so hard to disassociate the person from the actor. So I totally understand from an actor's point of view how annoying that must get, which Misha, Misha seems to really embrace it, but, um... Yeah, I mean, uh, Marissa was obviously the character I, I mean, I assume she was the least. Summer was fabulous. Summer was one of my favorite characters, too, because Rachel Bilson really brought the character to life. She was so fabulous. But actually, the most fabulous character of the OC was Julie Cooper Nickel, of course, played by the iconic um, Melinda Clark. Melinda Clark, excuse me. That gorgeous red fiery hair. She married Caleb Nickel. I mean, that house was so iconic. But was also really fabulous about Melinda Clark was she was in the show Entourage, and she basically played the same character. Uh, uh, what was her character's name in Entourage? I don't remember, but she was married. Oh, she played Melinda Clark. She played Melinda, but no. Oh, she did. She played Melinda. and But she was essentially the same character as Julie Cooper and Nickel. But she was probably just so good at that. Um, yeah, though, it's really sad, though, to hear that Misha felt as though she was missing out on other opportunities, though, because of the show and that people weren't protecting her, that there was bullying on the set, which is a bummer. Like, I really do wonder who it is, because she didn't say the women, she said the boys. So, I mean, there's only two... Um, there's only two uh, suspects. And, of course, Adam Brody, who played... Um, Seth Cohen, and then uh, the blonde one who played Ryan, Benjamin McKenzie. So I do wonder if they bullied her, but I wonder why, how could they bully Misha Barton? She was the lead of the show. I don't know. And now Misha Barton's a queen. She's literally on The Hills 2.0, which is really fabulous for her, uh, The Hills New Beginnings. And um, I wish her a lifetime of success. I know she's, it's been rough, and you know there was obviously that, that, that horrifying video on TMZ that released where uh, you know, she was just not in, seemingly not in the best place, but I really, really am such a big fan of hers, and I, um, yeah, justice for Marissa, and more importantly, justice for Misha Barton. But speaking of sort of reminiscing on old times, uh, also from E! News here, Kim Kardashian worries about explaining, quote, who Chris Humphreys is to her kids on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Now, that is money, that is, that is something I want to see. Um, Kim Kardashian wants to keep her kids out of the Keeping Up with the Kardashians spotlight for just a little longer in the exclusive sneak peek at the uh, episode for tomorrow, Thursday. Um, Kim explains to Scott Disick that she's hesitant to even show seven-year-old daughter Northwest the hit reality TV series aside from clips on TikTok. 
Um, they're in the clip. Basically, Scott is asking Kim if any of the kids know about the show or if they understand it. And she says, yeah, North sees stuff on TikTok. And it was so funny. It was like breaking down the fourth wall because Kim was saying that the clip that North has seen on TikTok is the infamous one where they're in Bora Bora and Kim jumps in the water and loses her diamond earring and starts crying, my diamond earring! You know, the iconic clip. It's, to me, it's like synonymous with keeping up with the Kardashians in terms of like notoriety and like iconic moments. But anyway, she said North comes into her and says, my diamond earring! It, it was so funny when I saw this clip. And essentially what she was saying was that um, it makes North laugh, but she's worried about uh, she's worried about her seeing some stuff, and uh, and one of the things um, she says is that I'm I'm nervous about them asking who Chris Humphreys is. Obviously, the famous 72 day marriage, which was I think my junior or senior year of college. Um, but yeah, Scott says uh, Scott warns that it might be best for them as parents to show their children the keeping up with the Kardashian themselves. I think. Quote, I think they're just going to watch it at some point. Scott explains it's their life. At what point do we sit them down and say you're allowed to go through these seasons and see what mom and dad are up to all these years? Um, and then Kim, of course, replies with, I don't really want to explain who Chris Humphreys is. Kim encounters, uh, Kim counters citing her second marriage. Um, and then Scott says, "This is that is your life. This That is your past. And at some point, they're going to be interested in everything. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I love that. I love Scott so much. He's one of my favorite characters. And of course, Scott has had a huge evolution on the show, much like Kim, from, you know, party boy, Miami boy, to devoted, loving dad. And Scott has had a huge transformation, too. Um, but it's really interesting for them to actually talk about the show on the show. And this is obviously the last season, so the formula's a little bit different. But speaking of keeping up with the Kardashians, um, off of that fabulous story, this article is from Deadline.com, Chris Jenner says Kardashians Hulu series is, quote, next chapter and partnering with Disney was a no Brainer. Oh, that's totally right. I forgot about Hulu being owned by Disney. Of course, I'm going to get the Disney money, honey. Um, next time you know, like one of the Kardashians or Jenners is going to be on a Marvel show. I literally die go to heaven. I love it. Okay. Um, as Keeping Up with the Kardashians ends its long run on E, the royal family of reality television is moving to Hulu. Okay, first of all, huge respect from Deadline for referring to the Kardashians as reality TV royalty, which is what they are, which means the industry, because Deadline is basically like variety. It's sort of the trades of what's going on in the industry. The fact that they're um, showing so much respect for this iconic family makes me very happy. Okay. As, um, okay, Kris Jenner, mother, momager, and star of the show said that the move to Disney... The move to the Disney-owned streaming services and international compatriot star was a, quote, no-brainer. Jenner was... Excuse me. Jenner was on the call... Jenner... Sorry. Jenner was on call to Disney up friends to promote the new series in perhaps the least surprising news of the day and said that the family was open to, quote, integrations and sponsorships. Partnering with Disney was a no-brainer. We're huge Bachelor fans and I love American Idol, she said. Hulu is the perfect place for our new show since it's where you can currently catch up with every season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Hulu feels like family and they immediately embrace the idea of a new show with such open and welcoming arms. Jenner, who will star in the new series with uh, various members of her family, didn't give any specifics, any specific details of the new series, which is explained to air, expected, excuse me, to air later this year. Quote, this next chapter... This is the next chapter. In the new show, you'll see us evolving as a family. Fans want us to be who we are. And since moment one, they've been emotionally invested in our show, just like we are. The fans will love seeing us continue this journey. I can't say much about what's coming, but spoiler, we're going to look fabulous and everyone's going to watch. Yes, Chris! Uh, let me tell you who's going to be watching. I, Andrew DeVitri, the Mistress of Pop Gold, you're going to be watching. You know, and it's really interesting because I haven't been keeping up with Keeping Up with the Kardashians on E! because I, I don't have E! and I don't, I don't know, I have Hulu though and I'm going to watch this because I'm ready for a reset, I'm ready for a refresh and I think the girls are too. And Rob. I hope Rob's in the new series because I literally love Rob. I'm such a big fan. He's so funny and charismatic and he's, you know, loving dad to dream. Um, but very, very exciting and I, I love any chance I get to read about them and I love that they're looking back on their time with keeping up with like such you know nostalgia so yeah okay um 
Third, fourth story of the day, a little bit of a Gates family update with what's going on. This is from People Magazine. Melinda Gates was aware Bill had some issues, Source says, after Rep confirms his affair. Obviously, we talked a little bit about how Bill Gates had, uh, you know, some some something something going on, allegedly, at Microsoft with maybe dating former employees or current employees or whatnot or doing anything, which is why he was asked to step down from the board and whatnot. But this is all alleged. I'm going to emphasize the word alleged. Did I say alleged? Um, but let's read this article, and obviously we'll let because that's what we do here. Um, Melinda French Gates. Oh, I didn't know her last middle name was French. How fabulous, honey. Melinda French, or is that her last name that she put as her middle name? Who knows? Who cares? Love it, and it's fabulous. Melinda French Gates was not entirely in the dark when it came to her husband, Bill Gates, alleged indiscretions on Microsoft. A source tells people, quote, Melinda was aware that there were some issues, but it's unclear if she knew all of it. About all of it, says the insider. Well, an insider, you'd know that's actually a legitimate source, but who knows? I just love the tea, though. Though the couple split after 27 years of marriage earlier this month, a spokesperson for Bill 65, a money confirmed an affair with a staffer that took place nearly 20 years ago. I was 11 years old at that time. Um, a recent New York Times report alleged that the billionaire Microsoft co-founder had a reputation for pursuing women in who worked for him. Quote, there were definitely steps taken along the way with Microsoft at various times based on his behavior, the source tells People. A rep for Melinda, who met Bill after she started working for Microsoft as a product manager in 87, did not immediately return People's request for comment, nor did his spokesperson for Bill, obviously. They're like, this is gossip fodder. Of course we're not going to give into this nonsense. Um... The base, and the basically, the rest of the article goes on to reiterate what the New York Times article was. And I, I put out a whole episode about it. I literally can't go into it again, but if you want to listen to it, it's somewhere in my catalog. It's there. Yeah, that's scandalous, honey. I'm sh- I mean, Melinda's a very smart woman. Obviously, she's going to be privy to what's going on in the inner workings of her marriage, because it's her marriage. Um, unless Bill was shady, you know, was doing things uh, behind her back, which would be awful, because Melinda French Gates is fabulous, and she's an icon. And I do wonder, I think her and Mackenzie Bezos, it was, I think Mackenzie's either engaged or she got married again. Um, Mackenzie Scott, excuse me, should just be girls about Hollywood, go out around town, see him at the club, see him at, like, Catch LA. I would love it. I like, like um, the paparazzi following them, you know, yachting and say, I just would love it. I mean, imagine if, like, the um, Melinda Gates and Mackenzie Bezos, um, Mackenzie Scott, sorry, um, ended up being, like, on a cameo of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and they're, like, yachting with the Kardashians, which is just fabulous, and I would live for it, but yeah. Um, okay, so that's that on that, and um, anything, you know, with regards to updates about these queens, I will literally return to you, or I will, you know, be, be reading it to you, because I literally, you know, that's what I do. Okay. Whew, fifth story of the day. I'm getting winded. I'm getting really tired. You know what I'm craving right now? I'm craving caffeine, and I really, really want a coffee. But you know what? I don't want to give in. I don't want to cave. I will be strong. I will not drink coffee. Okay, here we go. Page six. Prince Harry absolutely plans to join William at Diana statue unveiling. Oh, wow. I didn't know the Princess Diana. Okay, well, I don't know anything about this. I literally just saw the title. And any chance I get to read about Harry, because he's, you know, a staple here on the Mistress of Pop Culture show, I will do so because I literally love him so much. He's an icon. And, um, you know, I am I, one of the people who was rooting for his, uh, uh, what is the word? Not resurgence, but sort of him integrating him and his wife and his, you know, now they're going to have two kids back into the family. Just so they can all be united and, you know, I, I'm a huge proponent of forgi- forgiveness and, and family, you know, just getting back together because uh, it's family, honey. It's family. Yes. Okay. Um, Prince Harry absolutely plans to join his brother, Prince William, at an upcoming tribute event for Princess Diana. But palace insiders wonder how the Duke of Sussex will face his family in the wake of his latest incendiary remarks. Oh my goodness. Harry and William, whose relationship has been stained since Megxit, are due to reunite for the unveiling of a statue in honor of their late mother at Kensington Kensington Palace on London on July 1st, which would have been Diana's 60th birthday. Wow, that's wonderful. I didn't know that. Um, Quote, no one is going to tell Harry not to come, but how does he face his family? A palace source told Page Six after Harry, 36, accuses father prince charles in a recent interview of 
passing on his pain and suffering. Quote, Harry's still coming, we're told, but how will it all go down? The source wondered, will he just turn up on the day without having seen them beforehand? Um, another source familiar with the royal family added, quote, things between Harry and William have been terrible since Megxit. Then Harry and Meghan Markle gave that nuclear Oprah Winfrey excuse me, nuclear Oprah Winfrey interview, and now Harry has spoken out again. It's just one thing after another. Um, Weir, as in the article, told that the, stat the status of the event depends on the timing of the arrival of Harry and Meghan's daughter, who is due imminently. Um... Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think that it's wonderful that the, there's going to be a statue unveiling for Princess Diana because she deserves it. She's a queen. I also think, um, I personally don't personally don't think it's any of the palace aides' business what the inner workings are between the family because that's obviously family business. And I think that things are going to work themselves out fine. All, of course, it's all contingent on the new royal baby being born. Yes, I said royal because their baby is a royal. Contrary to the palace not giving out titles, which I, Andrew DeVitri, would give them a title because they deserve a title, honey. They're fabulous. Um... Hold on one second, I got a text, so hold on. I know, this is like so crazy and uh, not professional of me, so please hold. Okay, I sent it. I, someone was trying to call me, but I put my phone on uh, Do Not Disturb, which is literally, I had never put my phone on Do Not Disturb until like five nights ago because my I leave my phone, I have the new iPhone, so the, the charger thing is that circular thing that goes under the magnet of the back of the phone, which like I don't even know how that works, but hey, honey, that's fabulous. And in the morning, people would always call me, or I get those spam, likely spam calls. Like, I don't know if you guys get those, which literally drive me nuts, but the vibrating of the phone would just wake me up and disturb my sleep cycle, my REM cycle. Um, so I had a, you know. Anyways, I go off on a tangent here. Um, I really, really hope, um, I, I, I hope William goes, I hope Harry goes, and, um, you know, this is a mon monumental moment for the late, great Princess Diana, whom I love, uh, who many of us love, of course, especially after this last season of The Crown. And, um, I want the brothers, uh, uh, the brothers, what is her last name? Not Kensington, Archie, William, oh, I forget their last name. But anyways, I hope that they reunite because, I, you know, they got to. The brothers! The brothers, darling. Okay, and now we bring ourselves to our sixth and final story of the day. Oh, a movie that I'm really, really looking forward to. This article is from page six, and that is, of course, Cruella with Emma Stone and Emma, um... Emma Thompson. The great Emma Thompson. Are you in the beyond? I think you are! That was, of course, her Trelawney from Harry Potter. Okay, the two Emmas of Cruella talk about Disney's latest origin story. Oh, this movie looks so fabulous. You guys I can't even handle it. Comes now Cruella, which stars wall-to-wall -wall Emmas. Emma Stone plays two characters, plus there's Emma Thompson. Emma Stone, quote, My characters, Malcia Stella and Roaring Cruella, have two sides, so it's two different hairdos. One's black hair, one's white. As Cruella, I took pictures of myself. Was she narcissistic, but perfect as Cruella? Um, Emma Thompson, um, playing the mean-spirited Anna Wintour-type character, says, Cruella is everything my character can't bear. But it's hard for me to have friction with Emma, with Emma Stone because we're good friends and love each other. Uh, opening on the 28th of this month, it runs two hours and 15 minutes, Corella and the Unusual Punishment. Um, yeah, I, I'm i so excited for this movie, you guys. It looks fabulous. I mean, Emma Stone and Emma Thompson together. Uh, I mean, I Emma Stone, I mean, my favorite movie from is, um, uh, what is it called? House Bunny with Anna Faris. And um, she's iconic in that, of course, La La Land, which she won an Academy Award for. And then there was, I think, was she in Crazy Stupid Love with Ryan Reynolds? Not Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Gosling. Emma Stone is fabulous. She's an icon. And, of course, Emma, um, 
uh, why do I keep forgetting names? It's because I'm tired. Emma Thompson, who, you know, of course, Talani from Harry Potter, but then there's, um, the iconic, uh, I forget what her character's name in Love actually is, but she's married to Alan Rickman, the late great Alan Rickman, who played Severus Snape in Harry Potter, and he's having an affair with the secretary, and there's that iconic scene where the Johnny Mitchell song is playing, she's crying in her bedroom, remember that? It's like the most iconic scene ever. It's such a good movie. Um, and of course, she was in Annie McPhee. Um, she's just, she's an icon. She's in so many iconic films. But anyways, you guys, Cruella, it comes out the 20th, and I believe it's streaming on Disney Plus as well. You're, you might have to pay extra. But, I mean, honey, I will pay every dollar I I make to see that movie, because that looks fabulous. I mean, it looks like high fashion, and I love Cruella. And, um, of course, you know, much respect for the original, the OG, um, Glenn Close. But uh, Glenn Close, I see, is a producer on this film, naturally, of course, so love it. All right. Whew, that was a lot, you guys. That was a long episode. But um, I'm happy to do it because I love it, and I love my job, and I love talking to you guys. It is the thrill and the joy of my day. So thank you so much for tuning in, you guys. I'm Andrew Dimitri, the mistress of pop culture. Um, uh, I don't even know what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, you can stream my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox Radio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, iTunes, the podcast app on the iPhone, basically anywhere where podcasts stream. Um, I hope you all have a lovely hump day, Wednesday. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. I don't even know why I keep saying that, but it's like my favorite line from the movie. Well, one of my, one of my, one of my most, one of the most quotable lines. The other one is, I know, right? When Katie's, um, when Katie says, Regina, your house is really nice. And then Rachel McAdams says, I know, right? It's iconic. All right, everybody. Have a great day. I'll uh, chat with you guys tomorrow on Thursday. Have a good one. Bye.